right, let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And when you're there, say, I'm there. Your Bible should probably open up right to Romans 8. Uh, if you've got a paper Bible, uh, you just lay it on your lap and it should flop right over to Romans. Uh, by now, we've been in there for so long. Romans chapter 8. Let's begin in verse 1 and let's just uh, remind ourselves of where we've gone so far. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of spirit uh, of the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it cannot, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Well, we can stop there for a moment. If, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified. Now may the Lord bless us. Let's pray and ask that he would give us insight and understanding. That we would not only understand his word, but that we would feel it deeply into our souls. And that God would bring forth transformation as only he can. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. Father, I pray that we that we are yours, adopted, purchased by the blood of Jesus. Spirit, please bear witness in us 
that we are your children. And for those who are not your children, Father, please, please adopt them into your family. Please, Father, give them eyes to see sin for what it really is. Cultivating them a longing to say, I don't want to live this way anymore. May they turn wholeheartedly to Christ. Find in Him all that they were longing for. May they trust in Him, sealed with your Holy Spirit, and live forever with you as their Father into eternity. We thank you, Lord. We ask big things of you because you're a big God. We live in a culture that says that this is impossible. But Lord, I know that you are the God of the impossible. Even as you said to Mary through the angel, with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. So we trust in you to do the impossible. Free us from our sin. Free us from the clutches of the flesh, that we may live forever in the power of the Holy Spirit in life. We thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There isn't a lot that McDonald's and L'Oreal have in common. You don't normally associate those two companies uh, together, but back in the 1970s, both companies made similar decisions that changed advertising. 1971, there was an ad agency called Needham, Harper, and Steers that won a chance uh, to build a marketing campaign for McDonald's. They imagined the fast food giant as a getaway for busy parents to take their kids. And so they created this imaginary island with nothing but McDonald's to eat. Back in the 70s, that was a great thing. It's, it kind of makes my stomach turn today. But, but back in the day, that was a, that was a, a, a wonderful fantasy. And, and they even had a jingle that they associated with this campaign. We're so near, yet far away. So get up and get away to make comments. <laughs> there was one problem with this, uh, with this ad campaign, though. McDonald's legal department found out that there was a Midwestern root beer stand uh, chain uh, that, uh, that had called their locations Islands of Pleasure. So because of this Midwestern root beer stand chain over there, they, they couldn't use the, the idea of islands and, and all of that. They thought they would get sued if they did so. So they were back to the drawing board. They're going, okay, what do we do now? Uh, so they brought in their focus group of moms, and, and they said, well, you know, describe the kind of getaways that you need and all of that. Describe your stresses in life and so on. And one after another, the moms described their getaways uh, from, uh, from the stresses of parenting as a break. Aha. They went back there, they changed the words and all that, they got a new slogan. You deserve a break today. So get up and get away to McDonald's. How many of you guys remember that, that ad campaign? I know the young folks are like, what are you talking about? Just bah, 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 bah. that's all you know about McDonald's. But before that, this was a thing, and it lasted for almost 20 years. Uh, it was a very, very successful ad campaign for them. Well, there, in 1973, there was a lady named uh, Elon Speck. She was 23 years old. She was working for a New York ad agency called McCann Erickson. And she was frustrated with the male-dominated marketing world, especially when it came to women's makeup. <laughs> you probably didn't know that. Um, but yeah, these commercials and things like that, especially back in the day, they were pretty much all dominated by a bunch of men in a, in a break room, in a boardroom, Trying to think, what, what do women want? Hmm. Perhaps we should ask a woman. Uh, no, no, we can't do that. Well, we got this, we got this, and all this. Well, here she is, a young lady, and she's hearing all this, and she's going, women don't just wear makeup simply to, you know, to, to attract the opposite sex. That's not, that's not why they do that. Women wear makeup to feel good about themselves. 
I don't know this, but I'm married to one, and uh, and I think this is how, how it works. And so, so here she is saying, you know, what about just wearing makeup because you want to feel good about yourself? What about wearing makeup, and she wrote down on there, because I'm worth it. And thus became another wildly successful marketing campaign, L'Oreal, because I'm worth it. You deserve a break today because I'm worth it. For decades upon decades upon decades, you've seen ads that appeal to this sense of entitlement. Get this product because you deserve it. Get this product because you're worth it. In fact, just yesterday, I was watching college football, as you could imagine, wire to wire. You know, I'm sitting here watching everything. Sorry, Georgia fans, you know, and so on. <gasps> but <laughs> um, that, that, that was, that was a, a game. Um, at least I think it was. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so, you know, watching all of this. And college football, uh, at least one, uh, I think I was watching ABC, and you saw this over and over and over again. Uh, one of the ads was uh, from Dr. Pepper. And I'm watching this, and they're showing all this stuff, you know, fan bill and all this, and they're doing everything. And then they end the commercial with the slogan, Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. And I thought, wow, here we are 50 years later, and we still have the same approach, right? Appeal to you. Appeal to what you deserve. Appeal to your worth. Now, let's be clear. We do have an inherent sense of worth, right? We're created in the image of God. And therefore, every single one of us has a sense of, uh, of dignity and value and, and worth and significance. Right now, the Supreme Court is, 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 is questioning this. They're, they're taking arguments to hear, once again, are the unborn valuable? Do the unborn have an inherent sense of dignity and worth so that their lives should be uh, protected? We Christians would say, yes! Absolutely. Absolutely we fight for the unborn. Absolutely we do whatever we can to save their lives and make sure that their lives flourish. We agree with that altogether. But there is this sense that says, I have dignity and value and all that, so therefore, I deserve a meal from McDonald's. I deserve to wear really, really expensive makeup. Right? I deserve a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you see what's going on? There's this sense of, I, I, now we're going beyond inherent dignity and value and so on, to now attaching uh, a worth to us that is not necessarily biblical. Like it's not appealing to the worth of our very natures created in the image of God. Rather, it is an appeal to our appetites. It's an appeal to the worth and the value of our appetites. We, in, uh, we deserve to be indulged. <laughs> we deserve to satisfy our pleasures in the things of this world. That's not an appeal to our dignity. That's not an appeal to our value. It's an appeal to what the Bible would say, our flesh. By the way, it goes even beyond that. We can talk about getting different trinkets and stuff and, and getting all of the little the, the, the things of this world, the stuff of this world. Uh, but we also use that same argument when it comes to sin. Consider. You've got someone who has been badly betrayed by a friend. They're tempted to seek revenge. You've hurt me deeply and I'm going to come back at you with all the force that I have. Why? Because I don't deserve to be treated that way. See what's going on? I'm worth more than that. What about this? A wife who's been neglected by her husband can be tempted to lust after romance novels or, or, or have several hours binging on lifetime fantasies, right? Or just sitting around watching Lifetime or watching the Hallmark Channel or whatever and just sitting and watching over and over and over again and just. You know, I deserve a better life than the life that I have. And so therefore, I am going to indulge myself, literally indulge
that aren't going to help me flourish, it's not going to make me more like Jesus, it certainly isn't going to help me respond in a way that will please him. Rather, it's all about self-indulgence. I deserve a break today. So I'm going to get up and get away to serve my flesh. But a child is about to get in trouble for breaking a plate you know, while they're emptying the dishwasher. What do you do? You do what every other kid does. You blame the other kid, right? It's that, that kid's fault. Why? Because I don't deserve to get in trouble. I was doing the right thing. I was cleaning the dishes and all that. Why should I be disciplined, you know, for doing all No, no, no. Just, just throw it out on that break. In fact, I got the rap sheet on that kid over there. You know, I can give you miles and miles of things that that person has done, done wrong and so on, you know. So that person deserves it anyways. And what are we doing? We deserve a break today. Holding on to anger for months, for some even years, the refusal to forgive, even when there have been signs of repentance. Demonizing those who receive benefits and promotions at work that you wanted because you thought you were better than them. Now, all of these things we do and we justify because, after all, you deserve a break today. You know, when we look at the scriptures and we see the flesh, we recognize that this is not an issue that we deal with just you know, ourselves, and it certainly is not a, a, an issue that we deal with in our culture alone, but this is a global problem. You go anywhere, anywhere on the planet, and you will see this appeal to self-indulgence. You'll see this appeal that says, you know what, you deserve a break. Our flesh is not my problem alone. Our flesh is all of our problem. All of us struggle with this. All of us do. We live in a culture that says, do whatever feels good to you. Whatever you feel is right, and it is good, and you deserve to follow that in any way you should, and nobody should get in the way of that. Do you. You do you. Everybody. And if anybody gets upset with you, you sue. You do sue. Right? You do you or you do sue. That's what, that's what this is the culture that we live in. And this is all over the world. We have the same impulse, the same problem. Here comes the scriptures. Here comes the Apostle Paul, armed with the gospel that says, no you don't. No you don't. You, you don't have to live this way. You don't have to be chained to your flesh. You don't have to be uh, uh, guilt-ridden with, with all of the things that you've done. You know what this is like. You go for a little moment of self-indulgence and you say, I'm just going to do me. You, you know, that person that you wanted to curse out and everything, you just, ah, you know, you just go all out on that person. And then you go home and you're like, I probably shouldn't have said all that. Um, you know, and now you feel all this remorse. You do everything that you can to avoid eye contact with that person. Like you never want to see that person ever again. You know, and, and, and all these little things that you do to try to avoid it. And you feel that. Some of y'all are holding on to things, little guilts and, 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 and shame and so on, that dates 20 years. Some even longer than that. And you feel that. And you go, this is just what I've got to live with. It's just what I do. You know? Some of you are struggling with sin that you've been uh, dealing with for decades. And you may be tempted to feel like this is it just is what it is. You know, and I just live with it. You know, I, I don't, this is what I do. This is who I am. You know, I'm the type that just mouth off and everything. That's just who I am. You know, I, I got these certain lusts and desires and so on. It's just who I am. You know, I, I'm a person who deals with issues with anger and rage. That's just who I am. And the Bible says it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be this way. You are under, as verse 12 tells us here in Romans 8, no obligation to do what the flesh tells you to do. Amen. That's good news. That's such good news. Those of you who are struggling right now, there's good news. The struggle may last your lifetime, but the struggle's not going to last forever. 
The voices in your head may be loud and overwhelming. Do this because that's what you do. Do this because, well, you did it already before, so you might as well just go ahead and do it again. Do this because, well, nobody cares about you and nobody listens to you and all that. Do this because you can get away with it. Do this because all of these things that they say, hear the voice of the Lord through the apostles saying, don't do this. Because I've got better news for you. Don't do this because I've got a better life for you. Don't go there. Because you are not the person that you used to be. There's something new going on here. There's something far more real than what you have lived before. I'm going to show you this in a way. We owe nothing to our flesh. Nothing. Now Paul will say this in verse 12. So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Your, your flesh does not deserve a break today. <laughs> or any day. It's, it's not worth it. Why? Why, Paul? Why, am I, why are we debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh? Why do we not owe anything to our flesh? And I think he gives three reasons for this here in this passage, verses 12 to 17. The first reason is this. We owe nothing to our flesh, but we'll live if we kill its deeds by the Spirit. We will live if we kill its deeds by the Spirit. See what he says? Look at verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I owe nothing to the flesh. Because if I follow that pathway, if I go and live my life according to the flesh, the only way that that can lead me is death. Hear that. Hear that. Because flesh, your flesh, is a fantastic marketer. Isn't it? Boy, oh boy, do you see that picture? She looks like something else, doesn't she? Let's just, you know, spend a, a little bit of time fantasizing about her and everything. You need to hear, if I do that, I'm going to die. Don't go there. You know, I, I, could, I could, you know, that, that person hurt me and everything, and, and I can just show them what it's really like. I ain't going Right? I can go over here and I'm going to show them who, who they're talking to. They're going to know me. Yeah, they're going to know who they're talking to. If you do that, you're going to die. Oh, it sounds so good. It sounds so appealing, but it's not. It will kill you. I, growing up, uh, uh, the church we used to go to when I was a, when I was a young, young kid, I remember a pastor, our pastor saying this, and uh, truth be told, I don't remember anything else that he said. Um, <laughs> but I do remember that he, he said this. He said, he used to say this all the time. He said, uh, whenever we sin, something dies. That's a good little maxim for you. Whenever we sin, something dies. Oh, I'm just go with all the rage and all of that. What's going to happen? You're going to kill the relationship. And it's self-destructive. It's going to kill you. The ties that you had, are you seriously going to just burn it all? Burn the bridge all the way down to the ground because of this situation? Are you seriously going to do that? Your flesh says, yeah, because your flesh is a pyromaniac. Okay? You know, and that's just, this is what your, your flesh like, burn it down to the ground, yeah! You know, and, 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 and you need the voice of the Spirit to say, is it really worth it? Is it really worth the destruction? All the years that you went to building this relationship and you're just going to blow it like that? Do you really want to do that? All the growth that you've had walking in sexual purity and so on, do you really want to blow it just like that? The joy that you've had of having healthy relationships, the joy that you've had in loving people that are different from you, the joy that you've had in these relationships and these bonds and so on that only Christ can cultivate. Are you 
to just blow it on some stupid little fad or some stupid little temptation. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. There's no other way. The only way the flesh leads is death. But, but, if, now, hold on, stop, because I want you to think about this. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And you would just think that Paul would say, but, if you live according to the spirit, you will live, right? I mean, it's just nice and perfectly symmetry, you know, just the symmetry is, is beautiful and all that. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live according to the spirit, you will live. But Paul here, I think, is giving us a little glimpse of what it looks like to live according to the spirit. Qualifies it. See? And notice what he says here. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. A couple of things I want you to see. First off, recognize that this can only happen by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? This can only happen by the Holy Spirit. There is no way that you can put to death your sin and, and, and your cravings and your lusts and your desires and all of that except by means of the Holy Spirit. I, I confess this uh, uh, to, I think it was Pastor Sean and I were talking uh, the other day, and, and, and I, I mentioned that in all my upbringing and so on, I am, you know, a, a very much a product of evangelical Baptist tribes, okay? I went to a Bible college, in fact, even before the Bible college, I went to a Christian school. Whew, yeah, I, uh, those of y'all who were public school and everything, I don't know you. You know, like that is just not my life and everything. I married Annie and she educated me on a lot of things uh, that I just didn't know about, you know, back in, back in my, you know, uh, uh, guarded and, and you know, uh, gated uh, Christian school past and so on. You know, all I knew was what the Bible said. I was an angel. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, we were there in Christian school and, and, and I, I grew up there and everything, went to a Bible college, went to seminary. Uh, at Southern Baptist Seminary. I teach at a Southern Baptist Seminary. I've pastored Southern Baptist churches, you know, and all of these different things. And one of the things that has hampered me, probably because of the, the just the pedigree and, and, and all that, the years, you know, of training and everything, is I am so deficient when it comes to my understanding of the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful for a church family like y'all here at TCC who very much value and prioritize the ministry of the Holy Spirit because they didn't tell me growing up. It was just, here's the fruit of the Spirit. There you go. Go on and live your life. And I didn't hear that it's only by the Holy Spirit that I can put to death the deeds of my body. I wonder sometimes how much further along I would be in my walk with Christ if I knew that living inside of me was this Rambo, you know, who was going to town killing my sin. Wow. I mean, think about that. If you have, for those of you who go, I can't do it, I'm overwhelmed, there's no way that I can overcome my sin, the, 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 the urge is so strong, the desire is so strong, I just really, really crave just, just hurting people and really crave being all about me and not caring about anybody else. God has given you God. That's right. Hear that. <laughs> Hear that. God has given you God to put to death the deeds of your body. So first thing I want you to meditate on. You are not powerless. You are not left to fend for yourself. That is not what the gospel tells you. Amen. The gospel tells you that you have God. You have all of God in you going to work, putting to death the deeds of the body. The second thing I want you to recognize is do you notice that you're not putting to death your body? And, and I don't know how, how prevalent this is in, in a group like ours, but there are some who think that that's what sanctification is about. Sanctification is about, you know, self-deprecation. It's about, you know, uh, uh, you know, self-flagellation and so on. You know, the guys with the old whips back in, you know, like medieval days are just, wah you know, you know, just whip themselves, you know, and all that. I'm just a wretch and all that. So I just got to beat my body, you know, and everything. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, 
put to death your body. He says, put to death the deeds of the body. Notice, in Paul's theology, and that should be ours too, uh, the, the body is not evil in and of itself. Did you catch that? Alright? It's not physical equals bad, spiritual equals good. That's not biblical. God made our bodies. He's the one who fashioned us fearfully and wonderfully made. He made us who we are. This is a good thing. Okay? It's a good thing. My flesh and bone, my beautiful brown skin is beautiful. And your various other shades and everything are beautiful. God made this. It's great. The problem is not my body in and of itself. The problem is the sin that resides in my body. Because I've got these longings and these cravings for things that I should not long and crave for. And my body attaches to that and says, yeah, that's what I want. See? And so when he says put to death, he doesn't say put to death the body. No. Put to death the deeds of the body. I've got to fight against the urges. I've got to fight against the cravings. I've got to fight against those things because as we already saw earlier in chapter 8, those things are diametrically opposed to what God wants for you. I've got to fight. Question. Are you putting up a fight? Are you just laying down and let the flesh do whatever it wants to do? No, you've got to put up a fight. And you can put up a fight because God has given you God. Amen. So we owe nothing to our flesh, for we will live if we kill its deeds by the Holy Spirit. We want you to live. We want you to know what it's like, and we want you to enjoy the life that the Holy Spirit has for you. How can he say you will live? You will live if you go in this way. Why will I live if I go in this way? Well, that's what verse 14 is. Verses 14 and 15. He says, we owe nothing to our flesh. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God. Oh, I just went out for a second. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, you may hear that and you go, but, and daughters. I know, I know. It sounds, it sounds so, you know, male-driven and so on, sons of God. But actually, this is, this is very significant. This is very significant. Because back in those days, in Greco-Roman land, and really not even just unique to Greco-Roman land, it's kind of a global thing. Uh, back in those days, and even in many parts in this world today, the son was the one who received the inheritance. The son is the one who, who gets, you know, the rights and privileges of the family should something happen to dad. The son is the one who gets the, the line, and because he gets the line, he gets all the rewards and all of these different things. And Paul says here that if we are led by the Spirit, we are sons. All of us. Guys and gals are all sons, which means we get all of the things. <laughs> that, that we could possibly get as children of God. It's all ours. All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So let's put it all together. Led by the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, one thing that I've learned when it comes to reading the Bible is uh, to just look and see what, what's going on there. I remember when I was a kid, I, uh, Dad would give, uh, we, we had homework and, and so on, and I'd be sitting down doing homework, and, and uh, I, I used to love it when Mom was, was home, when I was doing homework, because I could ask Mom a question and she would answer it. <laughs> um, if I had a question when Dad was home, uh, Dad would say, read it again. <laughs> it's not an answer. <laughs> and I would read it, and I'm like, I can't find it, read it again. And I'm just rereading, reading read it again, reading it's not here. It's not. Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is right there. What I, I just need to read again. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Read it again. All right. So what do we see? If we live, verse 13, according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? It means to be led by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. That's what it means here. You see what's going on here? So, why will we live if we, by 
by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. You will live because all who are led by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body are sons of God. You see what he's saying here? You see what's going on? You're sons of God. Why is the Holy Spirit investing in me? Why is the Holy Spirit doing his work in me to put to death the deeds of the body? Why is he doing that? He's doing that because I am a child of the living God. And as a child of the living God, the Spirit is invested in my sanctification. Did you hear what's going on here? This is fabulous. By the way, don't put the cart before the horse. Don't say, I've got to put to death the deeds of the body if I am going to be a son of God. That's not what Paul said. No, it's because I am a son of God that I can put to death the deeds of the body. Do you get what's going on? It's because he has already put his name on me. It's because he's already brought me into his family and all of that. Now I've got the arsenal, if you will. And I can go full force against my flesh and full force against sin and say, it's a war now. It's all. I can do that now because I'm a son of God. If you are here and you are not a believer in Christ Jesus, you are, at least as of right now, not a child of God. And if you're not a child of God, you don't have the Holy Spirit that can go with you into battle fighting against your sin. But here's the good news. You can be. You can be a son of God. You can be a child of God. Look what he says in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But right now, I just want you to focus on that word receive. Receive. Do you hear that? Receive. This uh, sonship, this adoption into the family of God is something you receive. I'm not born that way. I am born a raging enemy fighting full force against God, wanting nothing to do with His glory in my life, and so on. Read Romans 1 through 8, and you'll get all of that. That's, my, that's who I am at default, okay? But here's the amazing thing. God, whom I have sworn as an enemy over my life, looked at me and said, I love you still. Amen. And I'm not going to turn my face away from you. I am going to go after you. And I am going to grab a hold of you, and I personally am going to bring you into my family so that you can be mine forever. And how will I demonstrate my love for you? And how will I demonstrate that you are my child? I am going to send my son, who is going to pay the purchasing price for your adoption by laying down his life on the cross for your sins. And I'm going to bring him uh, all of the redemption and so on to be applied to you by means of the Holy Spirit. So that in trusting in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, the stamp of approval that you have been adopted into my family. And that's why you can, in verse 15, cry out, Abba, Father. What does that look like practically? As a believer in Jesus Christ, we still suffer. It hurts. It hurts to say no to my flesh. It hurts to live this life. I already got all the drama and stress of life on top of that. But then on top of all of that, to say no to my flesh and yes to God, that hurts. My flesh craves these things. And just like an addict that has gone through uh, a rehab and so on and detox and everything, everything in me is fighting and raging because I want it so badly. And as I'm doing so, something happens. Something happens. Rather than turn away from God and say, this isn't worth it. I'd rather look up to him and say, Dad, please help me. Please help me, Dad. I need you. Hold me. Give your grace to me. Have mercy on me. Please keep loving me. And Paul says, that's what the children of God that's what a child of God does. I don't want the flesh anymore. I want him. I cry out to him. And as it says there in verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When I cry out to God, I don't get silence. When I cry out to God, I get the Holy Spirit saying, He is your father. He loves you. Oh, how 
owe nothing to my flesh because my wanting to kill the, the flesh by the means of the Holy Spirit is because I am already one of the uh, one of God's children. I am a son of the living God. There's no turning back. I can't go back. I want everything that He has. And that leads to the third point. Look what he says, verse 16 again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. Y'all missed that one. <laughs> heirs of God. What do we inherit? We inherit God. Why am I not going to uh, turn to, to the flesh? Why is it totally ridiculous that I would ever turn back to the flesh? Why in the world would I turn to the flesh when I have God? What can flesh give me that God can't? A bajillion times more and better and greater. Why would I play around with these little, you know, these little trinkets of sin when I can have the treasures of God? You, you are an heir of God. And then, I mean, if Paul wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit, we'd be wondering about insanity here. All right? You are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Again, y'all are missing this one. Fellow heirs with Christ. What does Jesus inherit? Everything. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Every square inch, as Kuiper would say. The Almighty looks over it all and says, Mine. It's mine. It's all mine. Jupiter is mine. Saturn is mine. Alpha Centauri is mine. It's all mine. And you are joint heirs with Christ. So when he receives his inheritance at the end of days, you will be standing with him because his share is our share. We are joint heirs with him. When he stands at the end of days and is being lauded and, and adored and so on, 1 Peter 1 says that our faith that right now is going through the fire and all of that, it will be found. What will be found? Our faith will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, when Jesus is praised and adored for all of eternity, we will be standing with him, joining in that praise. We'll be praising him and we will be praised with him. You say, what? I know. That's why I said he's crazy. But this is good news for us. Question, why in the world would I turn around and follow my flesh when I could stand with Jesus in the end of days? And join him in his glory and, and, and be covered with him in glory forever and ever and ever. This is what's given to us. This is the promise. But notice there's a qualification here. He says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified. The way to glory is the cross. There is no other way. If you want resurrection, you first have to die. There's no such thing as a deathless resurrection. If you want this, you're going to have to die. So what does that mean practically? Well, that means today, I'm tempted to sin. I'm tempted to Listen to my flesh that says, I deserve a break today. You go to your flesh and you say, no, today you're going to die. Today I choose the cross. I lay my desires, I lay my sinful desires and cravings and lusts and passions and all that. I lay all of that nail it to the cross by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I see the glory of Jesus and I want him. You can live this way. 
not imaginary. This is what God has for you. For me. Now here's a question. Because we're talking here about hope for the nations and, and so on. We're going, okay, what, what, what does this have to do with mission? What, what does this have to do with getting the gospel to the ends of the earth? And so Here's the amazing thing. When God says here that he is adopting us as sons and daughters, he's not just talking about us Americans. Okay? The, the, the kingdom of God is not going to be an American thing. Where all of us get together and go, yeah, that's great. You're like, well, what about Brazilians? Yeah, they're not here. No, they're, they're, they're over there. We hear this, this is our thing. This is our thing, right? Oh, say, can you see? We're not going to play that in the kingdom. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's not, it, there's no, no disrespect or anything, you know, to, to all that. The kingdom is bigger than this. That's right. The kingdom is greater than us. All right? Praise God for what he's doing in our country and all of that. But God doesn't just want our country. That's right. And God is too big and too great and too glorious to only have American kids. That's right. God wants Brazilian kids. He wants Honduran kids. He wants Mexican kids. He wants Haitian kids. He wants Canadian kids. Of all the kids, he wants Canadian kids. Right? He, he, wants, he wants Nigerian kids. He wants Laotian kids. He wants Egyptian kids. He wants Afghan kids. He wants Pakistani kids. Iraqi kids. Iranian kids. He wants people from every tribe and every nation and every language, which means this. This victory that we're talking about here, this spirit wrought fighting against our flesh, living for Jesus wholeheartedly, this is something for everybody. Everybody. There are people right now who are in bondage to their flesh overseas. Who's going to tell them there's another way? Who's going to tell them, you don't have to live this way. God has given us his Holy Spirit and you can be free. Free to fight. And hopefully free to overcome in this life. If not, free to fight all the way to the death. And there will be no power of sin in the next life. But, but you can fight. Who's going to give them that hope? Who's going to go to the nations and say, there's a better way to live? The question is, if God wants kids from all peoples and all nations and all languages, then God wants a people from all nations and all languages who will be free from their flesh. This is the gospel promise. This is the gospel hope. One day all of us will gather together. Struggling in this life, yes. But one day we're all going to stand before the Lord victorious. Because the flesh, as we saw in the previous passage, the flesh will bow its knee to Jesus in the end of days. The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that will raise us from the dead. And when our bodies are raised from the dead, never again will it desire the taste of sin. Never again. One day, people from every tribe and every nation and every language will stand together in our redeemed, resurrected, incorruptible bodies, and we will rejoice together that by the Spirit, we've made it all the way to the end. Question. Two questions. One, will you be there on that day? Is it worth the fight? Is it worth the fight to stand on that day and say, yes, I'm finally home. Question number two. Not just is it worth the fight, is it worth the trip? Is this worth getting to the ends of the earth and saying, you can be free too. You can know God is your father too. You can have the Holy Spirit working in your life, too. Is it worth the trip? It's worth inconveniencing yourself and sharing this good news with 
with someone who doesn't look like you? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? No, our flesh does not deserve a break today. Our flesh deserves to die. <laughs> and by the Holy Spirit, with this power, we can put to death the deeds of the body. And we can enjoy all that God has for us as his sons and daughters. Not only that, as joint heirs with Christ. You can enjoy that today. Provided that you suffer with him. In order that that day, you will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, this is good news and this is such good hope for us. Thank you for your love. Adopting us into your family as sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have, that the sin that seems so strong, the urges that seem so strong, do not have to be overpowering for us. For we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is in us. So, Father, I pray that we would go with all the strength and all the resolve that the Holy Spirit has for us, that we may serve you well and put to death the deeds of the body. Lord, we want to live. We want to live. Really, really live. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work in us. May we trust that what you testify with our spirit, that we are children of God, is true. And may we go in that power and in that reality, hoping for the day that is coming soon when we will stand with King Jesus and we will be glorified with him as joint heirs. Come with the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And again, for those who are here that don't know Jesus, Father, I pray that they would know him. And in knowing him, they would know you as their Father. They would know the Holy Spirit who gives them victory. Power overcomes sin. May this message be a message for the nations. And we would all stand with one voice saying, to God and God alone be all the glory. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name.